This is James Chow. And this is Hannah Gatalhoun. And you're listening to Beach Weekly. A news podcast for the Daily 49er at Long Beach State. Beach Weekly! <laughs> Match point. Hard swing over the net and in. Received well by Long Beach State. Middle for a Dangamato! And they win it! Your 2018 National Collegiate Men's Volleyball Champion. The men's volleyball team is on the hunt for another championship. We had a special issue out on stands this past week for men's volleyball, and all the stories on this issue are based on the team who reigns number one in the NCAA and looks to go back to back. You can find the stories on our website with special issue preceding the title of each story. I'm here with Daily 49er Managing Editor Samantha Diaz, who profiled the hopeful new crop of volleyball powerhouses, and the beat reporter for the number one volleyball team in the nation, Assistant Sports Editor Brian Aparicio, who wrote a story on the new documentary on the volleyball team. How's it going, James? It's going pretty well, yeah. To start things off, what's the outlook for men's volleyball in the Big West? So, surprisingly, you know, coming off a, a national championship, they're actually looking better than last year. Last year, they faced UCLA for the national championship. So they won in five sets. So it was a reverse sweep. And so that was their toughest competition. And they faced UCLA twice already, swept them. It wasn't even close. It's crazy. So it's like, so they're the number one team, obviously. It's like Long Beach, a huge gap, and then the rest of the bunch. So that's how it's been looking this season. And I think that's the trend that's going to go towards the end of the season until they face Hawaii. Hawaii is, right now, they're the only other undefeated team. And in the in the other categories, such as hitting percentage, kills per set, assists per set, Hawaii's leading in that. So I think the only threat right now is Hawaii. And Long Beach, they've only dropped one set. Long Beach, yeah, they lost. They dropped their first set in the home opener against USC, which was surprising because USC wasn't even ranked at the time. As soon as they dropped that set, the way they responded back, it, was, it wasn't it was even close. That's sort of been the trend with these guys. As soon as any sort of adversity hits, they just they smack it right in the face and they come right back. Okay, I like that. And you wrote a story on how the men's volleyball team has a documentary mm-hmm. about their dominance in NCAA play. So can you tell a little bit about that? Yeah, so the documentary, I spoke with Olivia Phelps. She's the director of communications for the Big West. So she was explaining to me how the Big West hasn't really had its conference as tough as how it is now, meaning Long Beach, Hawaii, UC Santa Barbara, UC Irvine. Like those four teams are four of the top five nationally ranked teams. And then outside looking in, Northridge right now is at 11. So like this conference apart from UC San Diego they're they're tough it's like the toughest conference in volleyball right now so after speaking with Olivia she told me why not use this opportunity to document this team coming off a national championship and seeing what are the steps that are they taking to go back ultimately win win that prize again and apart from that so after she pitched it to both the Big West and Long Beach they were all for it you know it's good for just good for volleyball exposure especially with this team sort of I guess bring a bring a winning culture to Long Beach State. You know, we don't really see that often here. We haven't seen a national championship since the 90s. So it's really nice to see that. So the fact that they can get a five-part docuseries on them, it's just really good exposure for the community, the school. It's for everyone. And where can viewers find that docuseries? Yeah, so, so far there's two episodes out. You can catch them on the Big West website and the Big West's YouTube channel. So 
So they're both there. You know, you don't have to pay for anything. It's just it's right there for you to view. Does it have a specific title? Uh, it's called Legacy. Legacy, all in caps. Long Beach State. That's it. Long Beach State. It looks like they will have a le- legacy with their new crop of players. Sam covered the new freshman players at Long Beach State. So middle blocker Shane Holdaway, Alexander Anastasiadis, if I'm saying that right, <laughs> and men's volleyball head coach's uh, son, Aiden Knipe, uh, came to Long Beach State after winning back-to-back CIF championships at Huntington High. So tell me, is Huntington High being the winningest team, is that common for them? It was kind of the the narrative for that school in 2013. That was when TJ and Josh were freshmen. They had like 80 games. They are just undefeated, and they got back-to-back CIF championships. So that was with TJ and Josh. And then Shane just came here as a freshman, and he had his 120-game streak, like no losing any games. So it's they've kind of cooled down a little bit since 2013, since TJ and Josh have left. I spoke to coach. His name's Craig Pazanti from Huntington High. And he was telling me that even though they've cooled down a little bit, they've still made like the CIF quarterfinals each year. So they're not totally out of the picture in their little like volleyball world because all the schools around here, I guess, are really good high school volleyball wise. They're all just super competitive, like Newport, Maricosta, Redondo. They're they're all just really competitive. And from interviewing Shane and the other players, do you see that, that same kind of drive and hunger that you see in 49er staples like TJ DeFalco and Josh Tuaniga? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, the cool thing about when you talk to these players is they're not how I expected them to be, where they were going to give me like really dry comments about like the only goal is a championship because I've talked to players like that. But I think the thing that struck me the most is like these players actually have a passion for the game and for each other. I didn't really expect that when I was talking to the high school coach, I asked to describe his gym in one word and he said, we're a family. And then I was talking to Shane and I asked him what made him choose Long Beach. And he's like, it just felt like a family here. So I think just that culture, carrying it from Huntington to Long Beach, translates really well, and they just feel like they have each other's backs. And then even more for our school, because they've already played with each other for, like, four-plus years. And then they all play club together. So it's just really, like, they're really close when they get here already, and I think that really helps create just this really, like, super integrated team when they get here. There's not much of a building ground that they have to lay out. And you also mentioned that Shane posted a undefeated record, 120-0, and or 121-0, and uh, while playing at Huntington High. So while impressive, you know, the competition in high school and the competition in NCAA plays at two different levels. Yeah. So do you see Shane and the team posting similar numbers, similar number of wins here at Long Beach State? Um, I don't think Shane has gotten the chance to prove himself yet. I, when I was talking to him, I asked him what the biggest difference was so far. I mean, it's already a transition going to high school to college, but for him especially, like he's on a national championship team now. And he just gave a very typical like college student answer. He's like, yeah, you know, like, the homework's a lot harder <laughs> and like time is a lot harder to manage. I don't know. He just seems very calm where he's at. Like he's, his head isn't even in that place of like, oh, I'm nervous to be on this kind of platform. Like I think just the culture that they have on this team makes him feel so comfortable that he feels like he doesn't have like something to prove. The freshmen aren't really hazed or anything on the team. They're just immediately brought in and they're treated like equals. So I think that helps. Personally, for both of you, do you guys see the men's volleyball going back to back? I really do. I honestly, I like I said earlier, I feel their biggest competition is Hawaii, and they're not going to meet them until the last games of the season before the Big West tournament. The way it happened last year, Long Beach was undefeated. They went into their two-game series against Hawaii. They lost against Hawaii, giving them their only loss, but once the Big West tournament started, it was the inaugural Big West hosted here at the Pyramid. Long Beach ran through that easily. 
it's a little scarier for Hawaii being like that team that's going to compete with them because they're a conference team, so they get to see them more often. They have just a bigger scouting report on them, so they know what they're going to do, and it's just... It's a game of chess, basically, with them because they both have the talent for it. Right now, Long Beach is playing. They're playing at a level that, honestly, we probably haven't seen before. Right now, personally, I don't see who's going to stop them. I think they will, but I'm going to be honest. I don't want it to be as easy as as it will be. <laughs> like, I was, I went to the UCLA game, and I was just so bored. <laughs> like, I think it's great, you know, good for them that they haven't, like, dropped yeah, I mean, it was, any sets. It was but... a great crowd turnout. You know, there was mm-hmm. over 3,000 people in there. It's just when Long Beach is able to put out like a high scoring output like that, you know, they're hitting 400 plus while holding opponents to like under 200. It's just it's boring. It's it's just it's really <laughs> hard to compete with them like that. And that's that's really been the trend the entire season. I still feel like they haven't been tested. And I don't think they're going to get tested yeah. until they face Hawaii. I just want some adversity. You know, I want to like not know who's going to win sometimes. And it's I'm like, a Lakers fan, so maybe I'm yeah. just a little, like, self-hating. <laughs> I just want a little bit of a challenge. I mean, but I guess for the Lakers, like, the challenge yeah. is too much for them so far. <laughs> in I need that balance. Yeah. These two teams need to meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs> it makes me kind of happy, though, you know? I suffer watching Luke Walton being a terrible coach. And then I cover these games on Fridays. Absolute domination. Yes, and that dichotomy. Just, like, <laughs> the only thing that's kind of, like, frustrating about that is like when writing the game stories it gets really repetitive it's It's like how are you going to change it up when they like they take care of business the exact same way every Mm -hmm. single matchup so it's like you know people reading my stuff or anybody's stuff it's just like damn bro change it up i'm like but there's nothing to change it's just they're they're really good and the other teams are just not yeah so this is my formal request for them to like step it down a little bit (laughs) No, but seriously, like with the Big West, uh, with conference play about to start this Friday, I think now is like when they're actually going to get tested. So UCI's, they're on a seven-game win streak. Santa Barbara's on an even bigger win streak. They're at 10 right now. They just knocked off UCLA before Long Beach did. UCLA was number four at the time. With that win over UCLA, it took them out of the top five and it put UCSB in there. So it's like, we're talking about Hawaii being their toughest opponent, but these guys like don't sleep on them either. They're coming. And let's kind of look more into the future. So do you see the 49ers continuing their championship dominance beyond this year with what you see in the freshman players? That's sort of like the big question mark with them because the entire starting unit apart from sophomore middle blocker Simone Anderson, they're all seniors. They're all on their way out. And these other guys, they don't get that much run. The the time I saw, I did see them get a good amount of uh, run was at the Lindenwood Invitational a few weeks ago. But even then, it was still like a mixture of the seniors with some of them. I can't really give you an answer. It's like, are they going to continue this? They just haven't gotten enough run to show me that. Henry Maya? Yes. Henry Prudency Gonzalez? Yes. Arthur Bose? Stayed. BP Almighty? Almighty? Abstain. Motion passes 11-5-3. Congratulations. So the abortion bill passed at ASI Senate, big news with a big turnout. Our beat reporter, Perry Continente, covered the story. Uh, Before we begin, I know we've been covering this for the past two weeks, but can we just kind of give a brief overview of what this resolution entails? Yeah, so the ASI Senate, they went through three readings, and this was the final one, and they passed the resolution, which would allow Lobby Corps, which is a wing of ASI that 
lobbies for certain bills in the government. So in this case, that would be Senate Bill 24, which would require all CSUs and UCs to have on-campus abortions available for students. The previous meeting had several protesters, and this one had even more, including people from the health center, which would be the facility that would carry out these abortions. It was interesting. How did the health facility feel about the resolution? They were hardline against it. They said that since we are not a medical campus, there is no hospital associated with Long Beach, that they were not equipped to carry it out. They mentioned that in a fairly high percentage, somewhere around eight, they were saying, of cases where abortion would be carried out in this manner, there are complications that require surgery, and the facilities here in no way, shape, or form are equipped to carry that out. You've been to the Student Health Center? All they have is, like, basic stuff. They got, like, a Band-Aid. Yeah, like, put a Band-Aid on it and and you're good to go. Yeah, Band-Aids and condoms. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they do do, like, blood tests, too. But then... But, yeah, that's... that's, They can't do anything serious, so... I would understand why abortion might be a little hard to carry out in that facility. The person who was speaking there was a Dr. Jessica Simpson, who is the only OBGYN on staff. And she was mentioning that she's one of four medical doctors, one of them being a psychiatrist and two of them being family practitioners. So she was saying that she's the only person who is at all qualified to carry this out, how in situations where it goes wrong, they need anesthesia and they need surgical equipment, which they do not have, and that they do not even have a uh, sonogram to like find out if the person is pregnant. With even this, the uh, representative of student health services against it, was the vote close? It was close. There was one situation where they very nearly struck it from the uh, resolution. There was a vote that was put up to remove Senate Bill 24. And if I remember right, there were seven for keeping it, like five for getting rid of it, and then three abstentions. So if those abstentions who were on the fence had gone to the get rid of it side, it would have been gone. And even when they passed the resolution as a whole, there were people who did not want it to be passed. But ultimately, that one had an easier time getting through. And what was kind of like the reaction of people when it passed, of senators and of people in the audience? The senators, they kept to themselves. And there's sort of a cool down period after they voted on it where they were just discussing like business things. So there was kind of a moment for them to cool down. But the people in the audience and the people who gave the closing comments, the people on the pro-life side seemed to view this result as an inevitability. And that is something that they mentioned. The pro-choice people were happy with the result. And I heard them mentioning that, like, this is one CSU and they've just got to, you know, get the others to pass similar resolutions. Were there any people at the meeting that you had seen previously? Yes, there was Michael Constable, who had previously spoken. He is a very passionate speaker. And then there was also Jesse Rosales, who is of the Women's Foundation of California. Uh, Women's Foundation of California is a large proponent of this bill. And she once again spoke, kind of marshaled the pro-choice forces. You mentioned there being a lot of people more than last week and the previous week before that. Um, So with it turned out this big, was the discussion of this issue longer than a usual agenda item? Well, the initial discussion, which was like the opening comment where most people talked about it, has a set period of time, which is about 15 minutes. So the 16 people who gave their talk at the beginning had less than a minute to make their case. However, the actual discussion between senators went on for a very long time. I think it was near an hour and a half. So 
That discussion is certainly longer than I've ever seen in an agenda item. Usually the Senate is out by like five, and this time they were out by about 6.15. It was certainly a longer session than usual. So you said earlier that the pro-life side came into it feeling as though the vote was inevitable. Mm -hmm. Did this make things less tense between the two groups, more tense or... They very much kept to themselves. Ironically, the pro-life side was staying on the left side of the room and the pro-choice side was staying on the right side of the room. Just like in last week, too, it was very civil. They did not harass each other, which was kind of nice to see, honestly, because this is abortion is a topic where people get extremely heated. And for a lot of people, whether they are pro-choice or pro-life is at the core of their moral being. And so it was nice to see a relatively calm discussion. Uh, when the discussion went to the senators, was there a lot of back and forth with them? There was a large amount of back and forth because a lot of them were unsure of what to do when the health center came in and said, we do not want this. Uh, at one point, Richard Holler, who's the executive director of ASI, he, he mentioned at one point, because the senators were discussing and they're all asking these questions, and he said, you're asking a lot of questions, but I'm not hearing a lot of answers. And so he actually suggested that they table it. But there was this thing called CHESS. It's California Higher Education Student Summit. And the, they wanted this bill, this resolution to pass so that Lobby Corps could kind of get its foot in the door. And I do think that that desire pushed it through when a lot of senators were still unsure of what the bill entailed, unsure of whether or not it would be applicable for CSULB. And uh, yeah, that was so that was interesting. So now that the resolution has passed and Lobby Corps can now endorse the bill, how do they endorse it? Do they just kind of like, hey, we support it? Like, As far as, as I understand it, they're going to be speaking with senators, congressmen, legal teams in the uh, state. They're going to like say, hey, we as a student body support this as it's been voted. So just like letting members of the legislature know that Long Beach supports these issues. On February 9th, two robbers and a getaway driver stole $200 from the 7-Eleven on Atherton and Palo Verde. A police pursuit soon followed, and the getaway car crashed at Parkside Dorms on campus. Yes. <laughs> our, our editor-in-chief, Kat Schuster, and managing editor, Samantha Diaz, broke the story. But Beach Weekly Pride and Joy co-host, Hannah Gatahun, wrote a follow-up with more details. But before we begin, can you tell a little bit about the details of what happened with this whole kind of robbery debacle at 7-Eleven. Yeah, two dudes. Well, they were both armed with a sawed-off shotgun and a knife. They hit up the 7-Eleven on Palo Verde and Atherton at approximately 2.20 a.m. And what had happened was a UPD officer was around the area and he saw the guys run out. They ran into a car with a female getaway driver and he was chasing them around the area the pursuit ended up being a little crazy and they crashed into a newsstand that was in front of the Parkside dorms. And so the guys kind of ran off on foot, but because the crash was in such close proximity to the dorms, the residents at Parkside were put in a shelter in place. So essentially they were just told to kind of stay put, don't go outside because they didn't know if the guys who had robbed the 7-Eleven were still around. And it was just for the safety of the residents. After this had happened, the UPD sent out a couple of email and Twitter alerts. 
a couple of students had received them. It was sent at 3.45 a.m. It was a little late because the pursuit had happened around 2.20 and then the alert came almost an hour and a half later. But there was an alert that was sent out a couple of days later. One of the suspects that they believe may have been a part of this robbery called in, said, hey, my vehicle's missing. He reported it as stolen. And then they connected this guy to the robbery because they had gotten the first guy. He led them to the two other people. Two of them were arrested in Compton and one of them in Downey. Doesn't seem like they're Long Beach locals. Uh, One of them was actually a minor. Wow. So their names are Adriana Martinez. So that's the guy who reported the car as stolen. And then the other one was Alexander Gomez. And then the minor, obviously. Her name is not being put out because she's 16. But she was, yeah, she's a getaway driver. That's some Fast and Furious shit. It really is. 16-year-old girl. As a getaway driver? As a getaway driver, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Well, alleged. Allegedly. Alleged. Okay, okay. So you mentioned that the first person caught ended up leading to the rest of the other two. So the first person, just to kind of to clarify, is that the person that reported their getaway car? Yeah, yeah. So it was Adriano Martinez. He called in and he's, yeah, he reported his car as stolen. That was the getaway car. I don't know how they connected this to him just because they're still keeping everything very low-key, still an ongoing investigation. They can't release a lot of information. So what's the bail looking like for these uh, for these robbers? 100,000 bucks. Oof. Jeez. Fat stacks. Yeah. I mean... It's like college tuition, though. Not at Long Beach State, though. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of money. But I mean, they deserved it. They... They ran up on, if they if they had if they did it you know if they were, if you run up on a Seven Eleven with a sawed off shotgun right. and a knife <laughs> and you steal two hundred bucks that bail better be high you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not it's pretty scary especially like two in the morning right around two right, in the yeah. morning and oh, so I know the guy who works there at two in the morning <laughs> really yeah I think. <laughs> And he's a very nonchalant guy. <laughs> so I feel like he would have held his own. He'd probably be like, uh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I mean, if if it were me, I'd be pretty scared. All that for 200 bucks, though. I find that funny. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not even that much. But like the effort to get that 200 yes. bucks was, they had to bring that shotgun, bring that knife, threaten the guy behind the counter drive off get chased by the police they hit a newsstand they have to run off for 200 bucks i can make 200 bucks from like one week of work (laughs) like it's not like it's not about the goal it's about the journey (laughs) oh yeah of course how could i forget (laughs) inspiring words i know i'm I'm pretty sure these three people bonded while, well, while uh, robbing a, a 7-Eleven. <laughs> oh, definitely. A, a bonding experience. You get a little driving lesson in, yeah. in, in between. These are life lessons that were learned. 
at a hundred thousand dollar price. Yeah, at a hundred thousand dollar bail price. That's for the the two adults though, Martinez and Gomez. The minor, all they said about her is that they filed a detained petition against her. The d- district attorney of Los Angeles, Captain Goodwin, he came to speak to our class and he was talking about this robbery too. And he says that he believes they'll probably charge her with vehicular pursuit because she was the getaway driver. So that is some like a standard thing they would charge someone, evades the police while driving. But just because again, she's a minor, nothing's really gonna be revealed about her, but she's probably going through like juvenile courts. But yeah, the the two guys, Martinez and Gomez, 100K. Everybody's got a price. Everybody's gonna pay. And that's a podcast. Yay. Wait, I need I'm not white. <laughs> I need I need to address this on the podcast. I'm not white. I'm not that white girl in the graphic. Okay. <laughs> I'm Ethiopian. <laughs> Just kidding. I got this like a random rant. <laughs>